Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Terry Mock is the Chief Operating Officer of Cyba. She's a veteran C-level technology executive, CMO, COO, CRO, with achievements in delivering revenue growth, driving go-to-market and scaling operations from startups to $450 million global companies. Terry brings domain expertise in SaaS, performance marketing, and digital advertising, enterprise software, and e-commerce. One of the many achievements in her career is heading up strategic branding campaigns at three companies and launching four SaaS products at two companies. Terry has an MBA from the MIT Sloan and carries a unique ability to champion compelling business benefits of technology. So Terry, welcome to the Second in Command podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks, Cameron. So you were clearly one of the smart bunch. I was never qualified. I don't think <laughs> I don't think I could have gotten MIT in the correct order to have put it on an application form, let alone get into that program. So congrats. That's certainly one of the top um, business programs in the world. Thanks, but there's smart people everywhere, really. <laughs> They are. I just don't know many. The um, So tell me about what, what it was that you pulled from Sloan. I mean, obviously, very prestigious program, very strong, strong um, group that comes out of there. Any really solid skills that you bring that you still leverage today? I think the first thing is really to be intellectually curious. Uh, in terms of anything that anyone would do, um, it's always having that insatiable desire to keep learning and growing uh, personally and uh, with the organization. So that was definitely instilled. Um, we're always trying to solve problems, meaningful problems. And so that's what we do every day. Uh, I, I would say the second thing is really, you know, understanding the value of teamwork. I mean, mm. you could be very good at one skill set. Um, you could have a finance person who's just amazing in that or an engineer really good at solving problems. but. Um, I really do believe that the sum is better than all its parts. And so, you know, the value of being on a team and doing more together than you would on your own, that, that was really drilled in in terms of all the projects that you needed to work through. Yeah, I think that's such a, a huge part of the MBA programs, but it's such a disappointing part in the normal, you know, the regular school system, the grade school and high school system where you need to be the smartest person in the room instead of collaborating and working together as a team. I think it's a huge point. Yeah. Um, so what, no, I, I think, yeah, it's really collaborating together. That really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And you had people that were clearly from all over the world and all different disciplines that were in the program as well, correct? Yes. Um, in fact, I was in a special cohort and we called it the Leaders for Global Operations. And um, we pretty much survived two years of um, intensity together. It was a dual degree, master's of engineering and also an MBA within the two year time frame, So we got to really know each other very well. And um, it was a pretty intense, but special experience. Yeah. Okay. So let's fast forward to your career now where you are, and then we'll kind of go, we'll go back and forth a little bit. So why don't you tell us about the brand that you're running today? Um, give us a little bit of background for people mm-hmm. who haven't heard of it. Yeah. Saiba is a digital marketing advertising tech company. Uh, what we do is we work with brands who wants to get um, the word out in terms of driving awareness of who they are and what their value proposition is. And then also in terms of just delivering the end results, whether it's 
getting you to shop online and uh, purchase that goods, or whether it's an educational institution trying to fill up the pipeline of new applicants and students, or um, any number of conversion points, but it's really looking at the customer journey online and then supporting these brands in terms of drawing in the right and engaging the, the, the right consumers um, and then driving them towards uh, you know, a, a clear value of converting or purchasing. Okay, so pretty broad space, but um, pretty specialized, I guess, as well in the, in the marketing niche. What, what's, what's the org chart and the leadership team look like there? Well, we have two uh, amazing founders um, who serial entrepreneurs, uh, and um, you know they came into this space uh, from different um, backgrounds and have really built up the company um, based on just seeing the the opportunity in the digital space um, and trying to have a different and unique perspective of driving that customer experience and that journey that everyone takes online and offline okay and then the rest of the team makeup who's you, you report into the two founders then or where who else is kind of working yeah at your level? so um you know we're about uh, 65 people with it we grew within the two years and um there are there's a ceo there's a president um, and then um that's the c-level executive a coo uh we have uh a level of um, vice presidents and also directors who are really our mid-level managers um, who support and grow the teams. And then, of course, we have a you know we have a, a, a young and peppy group of uh, um, young, you know entrepreneurs that uh, we work with. That we a lot of them we've homegrown um, and developed their skill sets, and they've just grown with us in the organization during this time. Okay. So the, the mid and senior level team, I'm curious, because one of the things you talked about earlier was um, the insatiable curiosity for growth and that continuing to grow mm -hmm. yourself. What are you focusing on with the, with your direct reports and with the mid-level team or senior team? How are you helping to grow them and, and what are you focusing their growth on? Yeah, I think a lot of it is there's so much to do in, in a startup, right? You can be uh, torn apart in 5,000 different directions all at once. Uh, and stuck in terms of what is really urgent. And all of us, myself included, uh, we need to focus on what's really important, not only what's urgent. And of course, that's a balance that we all need to learn and focus on day in and day out. Um, instead of always fighting fires, trying to figure out what the root causes of some of these problems and issues are and trying to resolve them ahead of time. There, there's, of course, times where you can't do that and you need to just um, put out that fire and, you know, do a debrief afterwards. But it, a lot of it is just focusing um, clearly on the one or two or three strategic things you need to do and driving hard and pushing the entire team uh, towards that goal. And that's um, a concept that we really work on in terms of amplification, right? If everyone could buy into that same concept of our vision and where we're heading, then that is all amplified throughout the organization. How do you get everyone to buy into that, that common vision? Or how do you get a common vision into your company? Well, that's something that uh, is always, for us, uh, as we have grown, it's, it's a vision that needs to be adapted and changed. Uh, I think right now, you know, we're rethinking about, rethinking our branding 
once again in terms of where we want to head for the next two, three, four years. And so it's a constant process of seeing what the value is in the marketplace, where the market is going, what the needs are, and then adapting towards those needs, and then you know putting in place uh, the, the development roadmap or you know the uh, customer service that that you need uh, in order to take you there. So it's really a combination of the technology behind what we offer and the talent and the team that provides the services uh, to support that. Got it. Okay. So take us back in your career a little bit. You know, you've graduated the Sloan School of Business. Um, you're kind of going into some of your first um, professional roles. Walk us through what a couple of those were and what some of your big learning points were that have made you the COO that you are today. Yeah. Well, I was fortunate that even as a student, I worked at my professor's startup at MIT. And um, it was one, I was the, amongst the first 30 employees um, in this company called Aspen Technology and engineering software company, and you know, which became and is currently a leader in the process industry. It fit really well with my undergrad degree. Uh, he was my professor. Um, and just as a young student and newly, new grad coming out of school, it was a great experience because there was tremendous growth during that, that time that I was also growing professionally. And um, to see that um, as the company grew from like total startup to like a $250 million company um, pre-IPO, that it, it was a really great experience for me. Um, and I remember um, when, you know, when everyone was gathered in a conference room and our CEO um, got up and said, you know, we were like $5 million. <laughs> we weren't um, a big player. And he's like, we're going to be a $500 million company. And we just all looked at him saying, what, what is he talking about? But it was that vision of how we can be something special that he drove home that, uh, you know, really resonated with all of us. Well, I think that's what gets people excited because more people aren't going to be that excited to join a company based on what it looks like today. They're going to join you based on what you're building and what they can contribute towards that, right? Right. Is, yeah. Is that- and um, Yeah. Go ahead. It's, it's a vision of where you want to head, but then you could see that we were making concrete steps to get there. Like we were winning new contracts. Um, I, for example, I was working on projects, consulting projects that we knew we were like using state of the art new technology. We were hiring like the best people. They were PhDs coming out of the best programs and their, their, their thesis and their doctoral thesis would be implemented into software we were developing. So, you know, we were publishing papers. It was a very technical product um, and we had the best technical people. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, it's a close-knit community within that space. And uh, we were clearly seen as leaders as we were developing and growing that company. That's cool. So think back to then, I guess, when you're starting Cyber, when you guys were growing it over the last two years, you really had to, to go from kind of zero to 65 quite quickly. What is it that you're doing to attract uh, and recruit these senior people into such a small startup company? What have you done to be able to do that successfully? Right. So I would actually say, and I mentioned this at the start, that a lot of our managers are were homegrown. Um, we do look for leaders from outside, but what we found to be most effective were to keep, retain, and grow um, talent from within. Um, that's you know, in terms of 
our director of sales, our director of account management, they all started as account managers or, um, you know, BDRs. Um, and, and then to progressively give them a challenge and to see them, you know, take on new challenges, that's been really rewarding. And uh, for them to pass it on to others uh, on their teams, I think that's really been working for us. Um, we found that to be like a, the best trajectory for us. And it, it sort of sets an example that if you come in, we really care about you. Um, in fact, we have a program where we would, you know, we would hire someone for a given position, a lot of them straight out of school. And honestly, when you're straight out of school in your first job, you don't really know what you want, but we, we put them in a role that they apply for and we evaluate like after six months and a year and they have complete flexibility to move within the organization. We've had um, QA analysts become account managers, ad ops traders becoming like, you know, mm. like technical people um, become analysts. And so it gives, it's something that we allow people to explore and figure out where their home and passion is. And then we let them make that transition. And it's really worked out for us. So it sounds like you're looking, said so you're identifying the people that are able to take on the, the core projects and new responsibilities and excel at them. Is that how you're identifying the next leaders? Yes, I think that's definitely one, one of our approaches. I think we're at a point where we're also looking, we are at a point where we um, are looking to bring in a few leaders from outside with other additional uh, experience that can add to the culture, the, the, the level of expertise that we have. So it's a blending and mixing of knowing how to give an opportunity within the people that have been loyal and have grown within the organization, and then bringing in the right mix of people that, you know, also 110% committed to the same goals, and having them slot right in and giving them the, uh, the same opportunity. Um, and so that's the challenge that we are working with and making sure that in our recruiting and our identification process, we're bringing in the right people. Got it. Okay. So you're kind of going through that process. You're identifying the key leaders. You're moving them into their new roles. What are you doing to grow their skills? What skills are you, are you working with them on kind of in the early stages of them going into these new roles? So we have a pretty refined um, onboarding process. Right? We didn't initially, but we put quite a bit of work into it where we have, uh, we're building playbooks for the sales team so they know what to expect. And usually it starts with a BDR straight out of school. And uh, they, there's an awful lot of um, mentoring and coaching that happens because if you can take um, a new grad and give them the right skill sets and disciplines and uh, core abilities, he's going to be, you know, really good as he continues to learn and grow. Uh, our, our director of sales, Honestly, just yesterday, he spoke about how he's going to put even more effort into coaching and making sure his team is well-equipped and he's there to you know, answer their questions and support them in, in their growth. Um, and that's why they want to stay. They know that we really care about them. We want them to have an opportunity to grow and we're part of their success. It seems like that's something that Gen Y more than any other cohort is really looking for right now as well is growth in their roles, right? It's a company that cares about their growth. Is that what you're finding? Yeah. yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, they want different experiences. So the opportunity to 
to move from one part of the company to another when they find themselves. I, I really do think that's uh, something they appreciate too. So the fact that you care about them as a person, uh, that you're tracking them and coaching them along and that you're giving them freedom of exploration to really find their passions. Mm. Uh, I think that makes all the difference. You mentioned the playbooks that you're um, putting in place for all the different roles or responsibilities that they have. What, what software or tools are you using to develop those playbooks that they then work from? Yeah, I would say we're still, you know, starting pretty early on. Um, and the sales side is where we've done the most work, yeah. sales and account management. And uh, that's really having our director of sales who's grown up through the organization really put down all the everything in his head, right? So that it's, uh, sorry for the background, but uh, so that, you know, uh, he's putting down his experience. Well, hang on, let's, pa- let's pause for a second here. Okay, go ahead. Um, can you ask the question again? Yeah. So about the playbooks that you're working with, um, what do you, what systems or tools do you use to develop those playbooks? Yeah. So we're early on in terms of um, automating them or putting them in a system. It's really just a document, uh, a binder that we have where we put in um, all the key aspects of for example, for BDR, you know, what are the key segments? What's our value proposition? Uh, what verticals are we in? How to prospect? What's the personas of the people we're after? So it's, it's giving them in one place uh, all the key tools that they'll need to get going. And then we've been building it up as we've gone along so that it's not like we reinventing the wheel each time. And I think as we get better at it, uh, we'll probably systemize it, systematize it a lot more, but I think what we found is it's not just um, finding a fancy platform to put it in, but having that coach right next to them, walking through and like, here's the playbook, explaining it, and then on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, you know, uh, following up with them, asking them, are you following through? Do you have any questions? I'm jumping on your call. We, We actually record, you know, the conversations, the sales calls that they have, and then we go back and review them, what, what was good and what was bad, how could you improve for the next time. So that's the kind of coaching that combined with the playbook really gives them a heads up. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, and I agree that there's no point in dropping it into the perfect software until you have the, the right system that you're actually following or the right process in place first yeah. and training around it. And then you can migrate it into something like Process Street or Sweet Process or something mm-hmm. else. Um, right. So... Walk us back to the uh, the two co-founders. You've got two co-founders. They're both still involved in the company. How do you get those two on the same page? And how do you um, how do you sync up with both of them? Right. So right now, um, I'm uh, responsible for the operations part of the business, which entails you know marketing and design and tech services, analytics and operations, and then our president, who's one of the co-founders. He's um, in charge of the commercial side, which is the sales and account management. And um, we did this uh, at the beginning of the year because it just allowed us to really focus on operations or commercial. Um, And I think that's really helped us to know our two roles. Uh, Working with both of them, I mean, they're business partners and they've been business business partners for a while. They certainly have a cadence of uh, just a constant back and forth. 
and it's just also presenting to them like with some data, with some facts, like what is working, uh, what are some suggestions on what we can do better, um, and you know, talking through together in terms of like what our ongoing <clears throat> what our ongoing strategy should be. So I think I think it's just uh, providing the support and the backup, um, you know, facts and data to say this is where we should head. And I guess maybe it's my background, but I tend to, you know, be much more analytical in my approach. Mm -hmm. So you think about the plan and they're thinking about the vision and then you just get both of those in sync, correct? Yeah, yeah. How about getting the leadership team uh, working together? What what meeting rhythms do you have in place for the leadership team? Um, well, we, uh, for one thing, we're very transparent as an organization. So three times a week uh, at the end of the day, we call it the uh, company meeting. And um, we, we all come together for like a 15 minutes or half an hour just to talk through like highlights of the day, uh, we count the new accounts that have uh, launched, um, things to get excited about, events that people have gone to. Um, we have required reading, you know, so we could discuss a little bit about that. And and so it's it's a way for all of us to be aligned in terms of key things that are happening, keep everyone uh, kind of in good communication. And some respects, you might think, well, that's an awful lot of time. Um, but I think it's a real commitment uh, for all of us to be in sync and to hear, you know, across the board what's happening in the organization. Got it. Okay. So, um, again, going back into to some of your earlier roles and the senior roles you've done, what, what kind of skills do you think that you have that make you a strong COO? Um, I think, especially in the in, in and it's a SMB space, uh, and I have worked for mid-sized companies and bigger companies, but um, I would say the characteristic is resiliency, because, mm. you know, there's their highs and their lows, but I don't get too, too high and I don't get too, too low. The reason is that there are lots of things to uh, celebrate, and we do celebrate it. And then there are a lot of times where you can just be kind of down on you know, where you are at or how you could be growing more or doing better as a company. Um, and so I think keeping focus and staying the course and being resilient through those highs and lows, actually, in the end, you'll get there. Like, you, you're still focused on what's important and where you want to head. Um, I think that that's one yeah, of the aspects of it. It's critical. I mean, so your resiliency, your problem solving, your analytical skills are all solid. How about some of the challenges you faced over the years or, or in this last couple of years, your role as COO? What kind of challenges have you had to overcome? Well, um, I think that, you know, e even though we're two years old, I think as we were uh, forming, we needed to re-platform uh, our clients um, into a, a new technology platform that would give us heads up for future development and we had a certain time frame of you know make, making that transition um however you know because of the competitive situation and so forth that time frame was like shortened uh, into something that we you could also almost think was um, impossible to do mm. and 
I, I think when you give a team a challenge, like we need you to stand up and get this done, um, and you put that goal before them, uh, I think that's when you can tell whether that team is resilient enough to get through it. And so we were able to re-platform uh, like close to 600 customers into the, the new platform within a span of one sixth of the time that we were expecting. And I think going through that experience, we were up at night and through weekends. Um, but, you know, at the end, we were seeing the light and we were pretty much amazed, like, we did do this. And we did it together because it wasn't um, just one person getting it done, but the sure. entire team just owned up to it. And the, our model was like, whatever it takes, we're going to get this on because it's what's important for the company um, or it's important for our clients. And that bound of a trust that we've built because of that, I mean, I, I, I think that it's going to enable us to do much more and more, more greater things. So it sounds like you've got the company really grounded around core values and behaviors. Is that stuff that you bring into your interview process as well? Is that some of the things you're looking for when you're recruiting and hiring? I, I think that I know that uh, you always hear it being spoken about, but it is true that you need to find the right people that fit, you know, the, your culture and is really bought in to who you are and where you're going. Um, and we found this out more and more um, as we've done, you know, more more recruiting and growing our team. But I would say that's a key criteria. They have to have the, you know, competencies to do their job. But beyond that, it's really their fit into the company. And you know, we want them to make this their home and have friends here and feel like they're being valued and adding to what we're doing. Um, so all that is really important to retaining that talent. And is, is here a physical space? Are you all running out of one physical office space? Are you running out of multiple offices or have, do you have remote people as well? Yeah, so our headquarters is in Boston. We have an office in Phoenix, uh, in Toronto, um, Brazil also. And so I think, you know, the heart of the company is, is in Boston, but we never forget uh, our remote offices too. And I'm in charge of the Phoenix office, as an example, and I get a lot of, uh, I, I really like think that's a great team that we have out there. And uh, we have a really good relationship with them and they've done great work for us. So I think each office has a similar culture. There, there's some uniquenesses to each one, but overall, I think we have a great culture. It's great. Yeah, I, I, um, I run some events in Phoenix called the COO Alliance. We have a network only for second oh. commands and we have three events per year there. And um, okay. the, the Phoenix business climate's amazing right now. It's just a great and the technology sector in Phoenix has been really growing. So it must be a really good recruiting market for you. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing really well. We're expecting, you know, we're hiring. Yeah. So we want to grow that. And then you said you're also running, was it in Mexico? Um, Toronto and Brazil. Brazil, that's yeah. right, Brazil. So mm -hmm. what, how yeah. did the Brazil office all of a sudden evolve? Was that when you found a couple of key people or was it a market you were moving into? Yeah, it was. It was finding a couple of key people and, um, you know, it was through a network. You know, network is everything, as you know, and then uh, you know, getting, like, finding key people to get that office going was key. So I think, as in everything, um, people make the difference, right? Whether, you know, you're going to be successful in any region or any engagement. 
Mm-hmm. No, it's it's a huge it's a huge component. I, I think we're also starting to face now a bit of a um, uh, opportunity slash um, necessity to start hiring people remotely. It's just really hard to find people who want to, want to work for a specific company within a specific specific skill set and happen to live you know within twenty five minutes so they can have a life. Right? They that being mm-hmm. able to be remote is part of part of that. Um, so in terms of your future growth, you said that you're always trying to stay kind of curious and, um, and stay driven and learning. Mm-hmm. What are you focusing on for your skill set right now for learning? Well, definitely want to keep uh, on top of all the uh, things that are happening in the industry. The digital space is so dynamic. Um, there's new products, new ways and approaches that are being built every day. There's new platforms that we evaluate and add to our tech stack. So keeping on top of the latest in the technology and then and consumer trends, I mean, you know, as you know, like people, um, their experiences are quite different because of the advent of mobile. And that's changed a lot of what we do in terms of servicing brands. Um, you know, there's also a, a lot going on in terms of making things local to each person and personalized to each person. Mm-hmm. So the technology has followed that in terms of geofencing and, you know, um, and so if you look at how do we work with brands to reach consumers. So all those consumer trends as they impact how we service them and how we outreach to them on behalf of brands. So stay on top of technology is definitely one aspect of it. Um, another aspect is just continue to know what, how to motivate um, and um, provide direction leadership to teams, uh, how to um, continue to mentor and grow um, people um, within the organization. So setting up the type of environment as we go and try to be more scalable. Uh, we do need more processes um, and what kind of processes that uh, would kind of be balanced between this onerous more task to do versus something really valuable. And I think every company goes to a stage where, you know, you can't just wing it, but you don't want uh, layers and layers of paperwork or hierarchy. So having a very good balance between that is something we were looking at. That's interesting. Okay. So for, for your skills now, for for what you're seeing facing, so you got kind of the trends in the digital space and, um, new platforms to be on top of and the new trends with the consumer. How about, how about on the soft skills side, the specific things that you're working on, you know, for yourself in terms Mm -hmm. of managing people, leading people, growing people, what are you working on? Right. Well, it's definitely understanding um, millennials (laughs) and the Gen Y's that uh, are entering the marketplace. Um, You know, they're, they're different. um, And they're, they're, the way they look at careers is a little bit bit different. They, I actually think they're more well-balanced, which is kind of nice. Uh, they seem to care more about social good, you know. Um, and, and so having a work experience that meets their needs is actually quite important in terms of retention and, and giving them uh, a sense of value. Um, and so that we have um, a culture committee uh, we'll have a Halloween party coming up, and it's just doing those small things that um, kind of knit us together uh, as, as a, a, a body. 
Cool. Yeah, I, I definitely have been seeing a lot of those changes happening as well. Are you seeing anything with the baby boomer workforce? Do you have maybe many of the kind of 55 to 70 year olds working with you at all? Or are you pretty much a Gen Y, Gen X culture? Um, yeah. um, well, in, we're never close to anyone because of that, but uh, we, we've been, uh, our makeup is actually much more of the uh, Gen Xers and Gen Ys or, uh, currently in, in our company. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it feels like that the, the only way we're going to get um, really the whole, uh, you know, Gen Y to get adopted into the workplace is to get them to to start to work with Gen X and with the baby boomers. So it's a little bit of yeah. of co- collaborating, mm-hmm. teaching them the teamwork. But how are how are you finding that working? I mean, they come in with great ideas, um, and great drive, and great balance. Are they able to collaborate we, with we, the? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I I think one of the key things about the culture is like we actually like each other. Like mm-hmm. we honestly do like each other. I have uh, people on various teams going on vacation together, and one time I asked them like, "Don't you see each other enough? Like, why do you need to even go on vacation together?" But they just like each other. They wanted to, um, and so developing culture where people just genuinely want to be together and work together, it smooths the paths. If you're trying to solve a uh, client issue, uh, knowing that you can work with someone, you know, on different teams from different perspectives, and yet you still like them and they might have different perspectives. Um, it takes away like the pointing fingers approach, but more like let's work together and solve the issue. Cause I know that we're all in it together and I actually like you. Um, and so that's, that's, that's huge. Key. I think yeah. it's the I think it's the I, key, right? Because that attracts other people into the group, and it gets rid of people that don't like that, which is you don't want them anyway. So, yeah. Terry, if you were to go um, back to your 22 year old self, you know, you're graduating from, or maybe 24, you're graduating from Sloan. What word of advice would you give yourself back then that you know to be true today, but you didn't know when you were just starting out in your career? Yeah, uh, when I was heading back to business school, I asked my direct manager, like. What do you, you know, what do you pick up at business school? What, did, you know, what's one thing? And he, uh, he mentioned like, well, you know, their strategy, which are high level things, things you need to think about at, at high level um, that sets the direction of what you're doing. Um, and then there's like tactics, like how do you get it done? And how do you actually provide and drive results? And uh, to, to really figure out how to balance doing things on a strategic level and doing things on a tactical level in order to just execute. Um, I think in any given week, there are times where like I um, may be too focused on one or the other, and then I have to reset at the end of each week and before I start the next week, like what is the balance between strategy and tactics that are needed Mm -hmm. um, overall for myself, for the company, uh, for our clients, for our team. Um, And it's just, a constant kind of evaluation process um, that I think, you know, I can improve. I think we can all improve on, but yeah, that's definitely something that we keep working on. I love the balance that you're bringing into your role. Terry Mock, the COO for Cyba. Thanks very much for sharing with us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. You've been listening to second in command brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, 
visit COOalliance.com.